What's up, guys? Welcome back to another episode of Behind the Facade. Today is episode 95, and if it's just myself doing a solo episode after last week's guest, Jake Clopton, um, he was talking about turning a crisis into opportunity. And that is a theme I quite like. And um, so I just kind of thought today what I'm going to do is have a look at it from the point of view of being a contrarian investor. Now, that is someone who goes against the grain. Uh, so if a crowd is zigging, you want to be zagging and so on. So let's have a discussion today on contrarian thinking and some of the ways you might bring about uh, contrarian thinking when you're investing in real estate and the property sector. So sit back and relax while I get into this week's show. You are listening to Behind the Facade, the number one podcast for investing with a particular focus on the real estate and property investment market. I am your host, Gavin J. Gallagher, and on this podcast, I'm going to be exploring the mental and emotional game often playing out subconsciously, both in your mind and the mind of everyone else in the real estate market. The key to success in this game is to master your mindset and behavior, to take control of your thoughts, your emotions, and most importantly, your ego. Welcome to the show. All right, welcome back, guys. So today I'm going to be talking about contrarian thinking and developing a mindset for investing in real estate around the whole contrarian sort of thinking methodology. But before I do, I just wanted to give you a quick, <laughs> wanted to give a quick shout out to an old pal of mine, Ronan, who I have known since I was back in college doing architecture way back in the day. And we just caught up on phone recently this uh, this past week, and he told me that he's actually listening to the podcast while he is out on his hikes. So um, he apparently myself and David Mac Williams are the two people that he likes to listen to when he's out hiking. So interesting choice there. I'm not a uh, I don't actually listen to David Mac Williams much, uh, but uh, hey, Ronan, you're most welcome. I'm delighted to have you on board. And while I'm at it, I should also give a big shout out to all of you longtime listeners. Guys, I am so grateful for your trust and loyalty. It means a great deal to me. And um, before I go in any deeper into today's show, I just wanted to tell you that for those of you who are listening, if you've been here from the very start, if you're only at the very start of your own investment journey, I want to do something to reward you for being a listener of the show and things like that. So what I've actually been working on, I've been developing a kind of beginner's guide to property investing. Now it's it's going to be completely free. It's going to be in the form of an ebook, I guess, um, because I don't think you're going to get a publisher to publish something like this. But um, what I'm going to do is make it completely free to uh, all listeners, basically. So if you are a listener, probably the best way to get your hands on this will be uh, as a member of the Facebook community that is the Behind the Facade community over on Facebook. Now, alternatively, if you're not on Facebook or if you're not in the community or a, a lot of people just don't have Facebook profiles, I've figured. And um, if that is the case, then just simply send me an email. Now send it to the address podcast at behindthefacade.fm. That's FM as in FM radio. And if you send that to me, just say that you, you, you're you interested in getting that ebook and I'll make sure that you get a copy sent over to you. Now, I should also mention 
that as part of developing this book and the chapters and kind of figuring out it all, what I've actually done is created a new online program, um, sort of, I suppose, a training program that's going to be launched fairly soon. And it'll actually be tied into the book. Now, the book will be completely free, but the way I'm working the program, it's going to be kind of an accelerator that you join. And over a six week period, you're going to um, be able to kind of work with me in figuring out how to become an investor and the strategies that you should adopt, risk, uh, how you can uh, basically uh, measure risk and how you can value properties and how I go about, you know, looking at property and, and evaluating a site and various things like that. So, look, the reason I've done this is because as if you've been listening for a while, you'll know that I established a high level mastermind in August of last year and which is which is called the Elite Property Accelerator. And that's kind of the point. It's elite. Uh, it's for people that are much further along on their journey. They um, and they kind of they, you know, they, they know their way around to a degree. They don't need to know the kind of the basics. But I know from the stuff that I get on social media, the questions that I get, that there's an awful lot of you out there who are only at the very beginning, whether you're still in school or you're in college or something like that. And it's for you guys that I really wanted to do this. And it's, um, you know, it's not going to be high level. It's going to be at a level that uh, anyone who's starting out their career, you're going to be able to justify joining this program. And so um, I just think, you know, that's something that you guys might be interested in. Um, it's it's going to be released or launched in a couple of weeks time. And it's it's going to be priced like very low. The idea is to make, you know, every single listener to give every single listener an opportunity to participate in this uh, sort of, I suppose, a first time investor uh, program. And uh, I'm actually in the process of putting the finishing touches to it now, but it'll launch very soon. So if that does sound of interest, again, the best place to learn or to kind of jump onto that program when it is launched is going to be through the Facebook group behind the facade community. Or once again, if you're not on a profile, you don't have a profile in um, Facebook, then simply send me over a an email to podcast at behind the and just say that you're interested in the uh, in knowing more about the program or whatever. And I'll send you on the details when it's ready to launch. All right. So, look, let's get into the main topic. And today's topic, obviously, is contrarian thinking. Now, I should start by saying, and this is linked to it, is um, is that I received a message on LinkedIn from a, a chap called Owen. And Owen, if you're listening, uh, thank you for your message. And what Owen told me there recently that he, he and his friends were listening to the episode I did a couple of weeks back and I mentioned um, crypto investment. I mentioned different types of investment and um, he said to me that his, his, the people that he knows turned off the episode when they heard me say that you can't make an income from crypto. And they suggested that and own suggested that I should cover some of the uh, virtual real estate investment opportunities like that are available in VR games. There's advertising, you can buy spots in the game and things like that. And there's a, there's a game called Blocktopia. Now, I know nothing about all that. You know, I'm almost 50 years of age. It's It's been a while since I played a computer game. But that is not to say that there's anything wrong with it. Being a contrarian thinker does involve thinking outside of the box and exploring new technology, innovation. And so I would actually say to Owen and his pals, 
hats off to you guys for looking into this and examining it and, and um, going down the road of exploring this. It could be the next big thing and you guys could go ahead and make an absolute fortune. And I'm absolutely sincere when I say that. But just in my defense, as first of all, I want to point out that when I was talking about crypto and stuff, I was specifically discussing Bitcoin and I went into the, you know, the, the, the history of the pricing of Bitcoin and stuff. And it goes up and it goes down. And like, so specifically, I was talking about that. And I think I also mentioned that there are in the region of 15,000, uh, you know, coins, digital coins out there and tokens. And so that being the case, like I've learned in my career that a little knowledge can be a very dangerous thing. If you're going to kind of dabble in any kind of investment, make sure you become a real expert and you know it inside out because just dabbling around the edges ends up costing you money. Now you might get lucky and you might make, you know, the first time you, you, you invest in something, you might do really, really well, but that kind of sucks you in. And if you haven't actually learned some of the basic fundamentals, you can actually really lose a lot of money on that. And, and I'm not, you know, I'm not sort of saying that crypto specifically, I'm saying this about any investment at all. I'm saying that people who have gone and invested in real estate without knowing how real estate works have lost money. People who have invested in the stock market without understanding what they're doing, they have gone and lost a lot of money. And the worst way to lose money in those investments is to actually be successful initially because you get in, you get this confidence that you're, you actually think you know what you're doing because you've made some money. But in fact, it's kind of a false sense of security. You can actually get really badly hurt doing that. And, uh, and I was speaking from experience. Now, um, I have too many responsibilities. Like I look after a business park with 1.5 million square feet of office. And I'm, I'm looking after the renovation of a number of those buildings. I'm looking after lots of different sort of private investments and stuff like that. So I'm just not going to find the time to go out and start exploring these new fields. Uh, I'm going to leave that up to Owen and his pals and stuff like that to go and do that. But I do think that it is it's just worth thinking about this. I mean, if you go out and find these new fields at a young age, like when you're at the beginning of your career and you can establish yourself like as a as a leader in that field, you could actually do extremely well. So don't let me, you know, put you off any of that kind of stuff. And um, I just think, you know, well, well done, guys. You know, it's um, it's but I do, you know, I've always loved innovation. I've loved technology. I, I even attended the tokenization of real estate conference in London a couple of years ago. So it's certainly on my radar, um, but it's not a principal area of focus. And because, you know, to do that, I'd have to kind of being, you know, being an expert in a field to be able to kind of go into it in a, in a significant way requires you putting thousands and thousands of hours of research, reading and all that kind of stuff. And if you're going to do that kind of thing, then fair play to you. You know, you're going to actually develop this position, um, you know, develop all this knowledge. You start everything becomes a lot easier when you have that knowledge and people will take you much, much more seriously if you're able to talk the talk. And, and you'll get yourself into a position where you're actually viewed as an expert and viewed as perhaps a leader in that particular niche. But it's important to have some fundamental investment blocks. Like if you're just going to go and invest everything in one area, 
that is effectively, you know, that's a serious speculation position to take. And now I'm not saying speculation is a dirty word or anything like that, but there's a place for speculation. If you're if you're trying to kind of build a portfolio, build wealth, putting all your eggs in one basket is a dangerous way to go about it. Now, if you are Mark Zuckerberg and all of your eggs are in, you know, Facebook, then, you know, it works out and the guy's gone on to become a billionaire. But for every Mark Zuckerberg out there, there's about a million other people who tried the same thing and ended up, you know, bankrupt. And so just, you know, if you're going to go all in on something like that, just be aware that there is the distinct probability that you'll end up losing everything. Like it's very, very difficult to make it as an entrepreneur in the tech world um, and making it as an, you know, real estate investor is no sure thing, although I think it is a little bit more established. And so, you know, there's a chance that you'll flame out in, in that whole sector, but there's also a chance that you'll be one of those guys that made it through and end up extraordinarily wealthy. So good luck with that, guys. But just the whole thing about building a, a portfolio um, of, um, you know, a wealth to build wealth, you need to build a portfolio and make sure that there are some fundamental kind of blocks that are sitting in there that allow you to just avoid some of the volatility. Like if you go and have 95% of your portfolio all in a sort of a a technology like that, you could become a billionaire overnight or you could just lose every single penny that you have uh, in wealth and be and be left with whatever the 5% is left. If you swing it the other way around and have 5% of your wealth on that kind of risky speculation, you could end up with, you know, tens of millions on that speculation, but you'll have the fallback of something if it doesn't work out. And so it's just, you know, it depends on your mindset um, because over the years I have, you know, I've seen things go wrong. Like there's, there, there are, there are sort of asset classes that are more or less volatile and susceptible to shocks. And shocks are things that happen with little or no warning, obviously. Um, the very word shock, that's exactly what it means. But if you go back to, for example, September the 10th, 2001, Everybody would have gone you know, to bed that night thinking that this is just another September like any other September. The next morning at eight o'clock in the morning, the, the, you know, the towers, the twin towers were hit by the two airplanes and nobody would have could have predicted that except, you know, Osama bin Laden, obviously. And um, that just transformed the market overnight. Uh, you know, the next morning you went to bed thinking your investment portfolio looked pretty secure. The next morning, you find that you have been crushed. You're, you know, the Wall Street itself, the stock exchange was actually shut down for, I think it was like five days because the whole area was like a war zone with rubble and, and dust and all that kind of stuff. And, you know, airline stocks, travel stocks, they just completely crashed. I can remember there was no planes flying for like you know, a couple of days and stuff. And so the point I'm kind of making here is just be careful about concentrating on all of you know all of your wealth into just one asset or one narrow sector and I'm telling you just from bitter experience I mean I know that it can go very well and but it can also go very bad and um, you know I got into for example stock market I, I got into exploration stocks gold and oil 
and uh, I can remember I put a hundred thousand into a CFD account. CFDs are contracts for difference, and it's it's kind of margin trading. So for anyone who's not familiar, margin trading is where whatever you put in, they'll allow you to kind of invest ten times that amount. So effectively, you're borrowing from them. And so I put a hundred thousand into a CFD account, and I was able to trade up to a million. Um, oh no. Let me see. I can't remember exactly, but I, I anyway, I ended up turning my hundred thousand into eight hundred and fifty thousand in value. That's how much it shot up by in just, I don't know, like three months or something like that. So my hundred thousand investment was now worth eight hundred and fifty thousand. And I thought I was a star. Like I absolutely got so confident that I thought I could do absolutely no wrong. And then what happened is there was one of these shocks, something happened to the market and next minute exploration stocks were out of flavor, out of favor. And the entire position reversed. And I kind of thought to myself, stay strong, hold on, you know, just, you know, wait it out. The market will bounce back and you'll end up in. And so I did. I sort of stood there thinking that I had, as they say today, you know, diamond hands and just stay, stay, stay. And in the end, I watched my 850,000 profit go all the way to zero and then sink below zero because it was margin trading. It actually went down another 100,000. So I lost. I went from losing my 100,000 investment to actually having to put another 100,000 into that. And so that just gives you an example of you know, a shock when you're fully concentrated in one area and when you're using um, you know leverage or margin to actually kind of enhance those gains and um, I felt you know pretty sick for a while it had to go from this feeling of incredible confidence and you know feeling like you're kind of a star trader to suddenly feeling like a complete idiot who's not only lost the original 100 grand but you've had to kind of put another 100 in from all these margin calls it was extremely painful now um, if I was not highly concentrated in that, those stocks, I would never have seen those huge gains. And so, I mean, it's kind of obvious if I didn't see those gains, I wouldn't have seen those losses. So I wouldn't have been any of the wiser. But if, if I had sort of gotten out at 850 and I put some of the money into other stocks and shares, I'd probably still have a decent portfolio there today. And if I put it into some non-correlated assets, um, you know, you could that would have been the smart move. And that would have just meant that I, I took some of the money out. I probably would have lost whatever I had left in, but I would have taken some money out. So taking some profits, um, you'll, you'll, you'll never go broke taking a profit, as they say. Now, on another example, um, when I was, you know, back in just pre-2008, I was, I'd say, 99% uh, concentrated on real estate. And it was an incredible ride up to that point. I saw my net worth rise by you know several million uh, over a couple of years, and it, like literally, maybe for about five years, I was seeing two to three million a year gain in my net worth, and uh, it was just absolutely insane. And it was just this crazy wild ride that the Celtic Tiger was, and. But that kind of growth messes with your brain and your mindset. And again, I started to feel completely invincible, super confident. I remember being out for dinner with pals and they were talking about, Gavin, you know, what are you doing? What are you buying? And I, I was telling them that I had just 
you know, made this big investment, borrowed all this money. And they were all saying, God, are you not nervous about, you know, borrowing so much money? And they could not convince me otherwise. This was absolutely, you know, I was making so much money. It meant it felt so right to me. It felt like I was an absolutely in the right place at the right time. I knew exactly what I was doing. And I can even remember we were joking about they said, like, what would what would you do if you won the lottery? And like the lottery was you know, 10 million or whatever. And I said, if I won the lottery, the 10 million lottery, I would you know, probably put all that money into more and borrow up, uh, you know, go again and keep on borrowing more and more. And uh, and it was just this mindset that I was in because I had seen no losses up until that point. And then along comes the shock. The shock in this case was Lehman Brothers, 2008. And uh, and it changes everything and everyone. And I mean, everyone within a couple of weeks of Lehman Brothers, everyone was trying to get out of the market, trying to sell their property. And of course, what happens when everyone is trying to get out? The price collapses. And so, look, I'm not here to make bearish predictions. I'm actually quite an optimistic guy. And um, but I just do think that, you know, if you're going to be getting if you want to become a professional investor, if you want to make this a career and you want to kind of build serious wealth, what you have to do is sort of step back every now and then and take stock and kind of be unemotional and kind of logical and rational and just step back and just say, OK, let's have a look at this now. Bury any kind of thoughts of, you know, diamond hands or all this kind of stuff. Just for a moment, look at it objectively. And, you know, would there be a sensible move that maybe your, you know, your dad or your grandfather or somebody would kind of be advising you. And, you know, assessing that without any emotion attached to it, just to see, like, is it, would it be worth my while? Like, what kind of risk is it taking profit off the table? I mean, if you're seeing, if you're putting, you know, 10,000 into something and it turns into 100,000, you might be inclined to say, why would I sell out it now? Like, that 100 could become a million. And I get it. But that 100 could also become 40 and 20 and 10. And so it never does any harm to kind of take something out. But I know it does feel like you're kind of hemming and hawing and kind of flip flopping. Um, I believe there are two extremes in the mindset of investors. And you're either kind of on the side of you're either in one sort of stepping towards one or stepping towards the other. And, you know, on the one extreme, if you think about a line and there's there's a left end to the line and there's a right end to the line. And if you think about on one end is the gambler and that is the person who takes big, chunky bets, doesn't put a huge amount of thought into it, just goes for it. And um, and the on the complete opposite extreme of that is the analyst and the analyst is going to make charts and lists and spreadsheets and they're going to analyze every single possible scenario, every option until the cows come home. And um, they'll 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 research and research until they're blue in the face and then they'll go and do more research. And that is called paralysis by analysis. And those are the two extremes. Now everybody sits somewhere in the middle of those two extremes. And I've I know some people that sit very much on the analyst side and they find it very hard to make a decision. And then I recognize in myself that, you know, back pre 2008, I was as close to the full out, you know, extreme of the gambler. And I was taking bets on things that, you know, 
probably the analyst would have would have turned the hair of the analyst white. And um, I, you know, you if you are if you are closer to the gambler, you're going to have no issue making a decision and taking action, and that is a good thing. But sometimes you don't fully consider all the facts, and you end up making those costly mistakes. Uh, now, it, that was me back in my twenties and thirties. Um, highly concentrated in property, saw massive, massive gains, like millions on a single deal. But then along comes Bleeman Brothers and blows up the market. And I ended up going from being, you know, tens of millions positive to being 16 million negative. That is like below zero, six to the, to the tune of 16 million. And on the other hand, I know plenty of analysts who would never have made the investments that I made in the first place. So they never would have had the millions. Um, but then they wouldn't have ended up negative either. And so they would have just kind of trundled along. And so there are pros and cons to these extremes. Um, but it's probably best to try to kind of find a happy medium rather than being at one extreme. Like if you're on one extreme, if you're in the gambler extreme, you can see all the wins, but you can also see all of the losses. And the, if you're on the analyst you know, side, you're just not going to take a huge amount of action. So you want to try and find a happy balance there. Um, and it's before I finish up, guys, um, I just thought, like, what am I saying here? Like, I, I just want you to remember that whatever the crowd is doing is often the complete opposite of what you should actually be doing. Now, that can be a kind of a bit of a generalization, obviously. But at least when it comes to a crisis or following a, a kind of a big shock um, and now when it when that happens, going against the crowd is what you need to be doing. Now, bear in mind that real estate does lag behind other investment markets quite a lot. So when you see the stock market or crypto market, like the next second, you know, three seconds after a statement has come out on the Internet, you will see people selling shares or selling crypto or whatever it is. They'll have taken a view instantaneously and they'll be they'll say this is either good or bad and they'll be trading that position. On the other hand, the real estate market, you know, when you if you heard some bad news tomorrow and decide you want to get out of real estate, you're going to have to market the property. You're going to have to go and to go to legals. You're going to have to do all this. It can take six to nine months before, you know, you might put that the, the property in the market immediately, but you've got to give your tenants notice. You've got to do all of this stuff and it takes a little bit longer. And therefore, the entire market, if everyone is making the same kind of decisive moves, it will be months and months before you'll actually start to see, you know, um, a glut of properties on the market or whatever. So I would say, you know, six, nine, 12 months before you actually start to kind of see that sentiment starting to get really, really bad. And um, obviously the stock market, you know, instantaneously. Now, one of the things that I've noticed is like, for example, Warren Buffett, um, I like to quote, you know, Warren Buffett on occasion, but he's currently sitting on $160 billion of cash. And the reason he's sitting on that much cash is because he's getting ready for a shock. And, um, and you know, I think he's probably... Well, he's also he's so big now, like his company is just so massive that for him to move the needle, he has to make massive, massive deals. But he does sort of feel like that there is exuberance in the market and therefore he's kind of ready, sitting on a pile of cash and he'll probably go in and 
you know, by some bank or something like that, that that's going to get into trouble when there is a shock. And just in terms of like, what are the potential shocks at the moment? I mean, you've got the whole inflation thing just a couple of days ago. They mentioned that the latest inflation figures were way, way over. This is in the US, way, way over anywhere that anyone was expecting. And so that kind of shook the market. But even more so, it seems to be this possible risk of Russian invasion of Ukraine. And um, they were making announcements just on the news yesterday about this. And it, it caused the, the market to, to kind of turn red. So you just have to be careful that those shocks, like I say, they come out of nowhere. Nobody saw the pandemic coming along, although that did have a kind of a, a contrarian reaction to the market. Like nobody would have thought the prices were going to shoot up. Um, I certainly did not see that coming. And just remember, timing the market is notoriously difficult. And few people ever achieve this when any, any kind of a success. I've been following a guy on YouTube. I don't know if you're familiar with a guy called, his channel is called Meet Kevin. I think his name is Kevin Pafra or something like that. But he has been a stock market kind of YouTuber for the last couple of years. And he, he, he's, a, he's a workaholic. He puts out, you know, four or five videos a day. And he was basically live streaming the opening of the market and he was live, stre live streaming the closing bell of the market. And all of this was like, got millions of views. The guy's getting something like 20 million views a, a month on his channel. So the guy's actually making quite a few million a year from his actual channel. And um, he, he, he has something like 20 to 30 million invested in stocks. And he's been, he, there's a meme around him around buying the dip because he was saying buy the dip for so long that people started to kind of create memes and stuff. And just recently, he actually kind of had a complete change of heart. And he, I think, you know, he's kind of said that he actually lost quite a bit of money on a, on a couple of deals. And um, he's just decided to sell all of his stock market position. And he took 20 million out of the stock market. And he's sitting on cash now. And he's waiting for the market to kind of you know, self-correct uh, and then he's going to try and get back in. Now, he has to sit in the sidelines now and if if he gets the timing wrong, he's going to watch what all of his other guys kind of put their money in and it keeps on going up and up and up and it'll be very, very difficult for him to sit back and watch that. But that's the kind of sort of fortitude that you have to have and that's where Warren Buffett has always demonstrated his fortitude is just... He doesn't care. Like there's people writing articles about uh, Warren Buffett has lost it. He's missed out on this boom and he's missed out on that boom. He doesn't care. He just does what he believes to be right. And he doesn't care what the rest of the market does. And sure enough, the guy is now what second or third richest man in the world, whatever it is. And, um, and it's just simply having the fortitude. And so a lot of people don't have that fortitude. So just be very careful. And if and using that old tip, you know, about buying property. Just, you know, don't wait to buy property. Instead, buy property and wait. And that's a pretty good way to look at the property market in general. Now, when you're when the market is very, very toppy, that is bad advice because, you know, there's a good chance that the thing's going to fall. But if you're analyzing your properties uh, and your assets, if you're analyzing them regularly, and if you're, you know, making sure that what you're holding is um, still makes sense that you're getting a good yield 
that in the event that interest rates were to kind of jump up, that you can actually service that debt, then, you know, what's what's it going to matter? 20 years from now, the price of the properties are going to continue to go up. Uh, and so you shouldn't really be that worried. But it's people who are jumping into the market, using a huge amount of debt, buying at, a, say, a low yield. Uh, I bought assets at kind of 3 and 4% yield, and my debt ended up going to kind of 5%. So you're actually putting money into the deal to kind of just keep it. And that can be very painful when you go into a recession and that can force you to kind of have to sell and things like that. So it's something to kind of bear in mind. Um, just do your analysis, make sure your assets are capable of surviving any kind of a shock and make sure that one asset doesn't, you know, going down, doesn't pull all of your portfolio with you. Try and have other assets like, I don't know whether it's stocks or shares or whatever it is, but non-correlated. So if one thing goes down, this might sort of counterperform. And a lot of people talk about, say, buying gold or something like that as one of those counterperformance um, positions. And it just means that if everything is falling, the other one will be rising. And that that's a good position to be in. So you're not looking at a total, you know, bloodbath in terms of your portfolio. And uh, and that's it. Like if you if you have to sell your position when the market is falling, you're going to lose your shirt. But if you've analyzed your property, you know, if you've analyzed the deals and if you can actually just weather that storm, if there's enough of a yield on the property uh, that you can kind of you know, take the, the interest rate hikes and you can cover them, then you'll be able to just sit back and wait. And then even better, you might actually be able to get greedy when others are being fearful. And when others are being fearful, it means they're dumping their assets and they'll just often the banks will step in and the banks will sell the assets and that is where you will pick up some real bargains anyway guys look that's the show i hope you found it useful remember to step back and review your situation from time to time and do it from an unemotional standpoint just try to be an observer looking at yourself from afar and just you know don't put you know don't get any kind of all in type uh, positions in your mind. Just think about it from a, a rational point of view. All right. See you next week. All right, guys, I hope you enjoyed today's episode. Uh, thank you so much for tuning in to Behind the Facade. If you enjoyed the show or found it useful in any way at all, please take a moment to leave a review over on iTunes or alternatively share it out on social media or to, with a friend who you think the podcast could help. If you have any questions or topics you'd like me to cover in future episodes, please connect with me via my Facebook group, Behind the Facade Community. And the long-time listeners will be aware that I have a YouTube channel called Gavin J. Gallagher, where I have recently begun posting these episodes. These actual podcast episodes are up there to watch. And shorter videos, videos from the construction site that we have at the moment, and various other kind of bits of advice and stuff that I put up there. So go and check it out. If you're not a fan of YouTube, you can stay in touch with the various projects I am working on by joining my tribe over at GavinJGallagher.com. And while you're there, you'll be able to check out the online learning and education stuff that I have on the real estate business, including my mastermind. That's all for now, guys. I'll see you back here next week. Thank you.